<laughs> so the story today is about Jonah. Yes, also about the gospel. About Jonah, Nineveh and a really big fish. So the story that you've just heard, we're all familiar probably, whether we're believers or not, in the story of Jonah and the really big fish. If you remember, Jonah is tasked by God to go and warn Nineveh of the consequences if it continues in what it calls, he calls its evil ways, which is destruction. And Jonah, perhaps understandably, runs in the opposite direction as fast as he can. The language makes it clear that he bolts in the opposite direction. <clears throat> there's a ship, there's a storm. Jesus, Jonah is thrown overboard and he's swallowed by a really big fish. He spends three days and nights in the fish and he prays to God and perhaps unexpectedly he gives thanks to God for his faithfulness. The fish spits him out and this time Jonah obeys God. He goes round Nineveh warning, a bit like those men you used to see with sandwich boards, the end is nigh. But to Jonah's immense displeasure, his warning is heeded. The people do repent in sackcloth and ashes. They fast and they call on God. God sees this and he relents, it says. Despite all the evil that these people have done, the disaster is postponed. Perhaps understandably, Jonah is exceedingly upset about this. And he basically goes and sulks. God comes to him a third time and there's no anger, there's no admonishment. Jonah is still annoyed and he basically says to God, as we heard in the reading, I knew it. I know you. I knew it. I knew that you would relent because I know, and he quotes here, the words that God himself had used uh, to Moses when he said, this is who I am in Exodus 34. He said, I know you are a compassionate, long-suffering, overwhelmingly loving God. And God's response is basically, you're right. So why are you upset? If I show myself and the kind of God I am to these people, even to your enemies, if they repent and turn to me, should I not be compassionate? He goes on, again paraphrasing, basically to say, these people have been running around like headless chickens. They have no idea of the consequences of the choices that they've made. Why should I not be compassionate? So that's the story. If we unpick it, it may be useful to look at a bit at the context and see what it might have to say to us in the 21st century. So a couple of things that's useful to know about the context of this story is that it was in the 8th century BC. That's where it sits in the history of Israel. And at this point, the, the kingdom of Israel that David led is split into two. The northern tribes, 10 of them, have rebelled and formed their own country, which they call Israel, in the north of the Holy Land. 
And as it says in the books of Kings and Chronicles, the rulers of this northern country, Israel, are consistently found to be wicked in God's eyes. They're abusive, they're acquisitive, they're self-centered, and they have no regard for God. And it's into this environment that God sent two prophets, Amos and Hosea, to warn Israel that if you don't change your ways and come back to me, you'll be destroyed. Jonah is also from Israel, but he is not called to join in this ministry to his own people. Instead, God is sending him to their arch enemy, to Assyria, Nineveh. And Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, Assyria as an empire was known to be one of the most brutal, most violent, most aggressive empires we've ever seen, even today. And it's to these people that Jonah has been sent to offer God's message. And in fact, we find that Jonah's reluctance is is well-founded because it will in fact be Assyria about 50 years later that destroys his own country, Israel. So this is the story But what can we learn from this in the 21st century? And I want to pull out three important messages that I think we can glean from this, three themes in this story. The first one, no one is beyond God's love, compassion and forgiveness. Absolutely no one. If we look at how God dealt with Nineveh, the arch enemy of Israel, a people that God himself said were evil. They're the enemy of Israel, that country that he himself had chosen to bring his name to the nations and eventually to bear his son Jesus. And yet, we see God pursuing the people of Nineveh persistently. Jonah runs away, but God is committed that they should hear about him and they should have an opportunity to repent. That word repent, turn themselves round, face back and look at God and follow him. So no one is beyond his compassion, forgiveness and love. Empires come and go. Nineveh, in fact, itself will be razed to the ground, but not for over a hundred years. Empires come and go, but God remains consistent and forever. And no one is beyond his love and forgiveness. The second thing is, I think, a challenge that can be raised for us that says, so in what or in whom do we place our confidence? Is our confidence placed in the world, the things we can see and touch? 
or is it placed in God? And this is an important question that's confronted with, we're confronted with both here in Jonah and also by Jesus. In Jonah, when God is talking to Jonah about Nineveh, again, I'm going to paraphrase, he basically says, they've no clue what they're doing. The significant choices that they're making and the impact that's having on their spiritual life, their eternal life. They've got plenty of food and wealth. They feel safe. They feel invincible. But it's all illusory. And here there's an echo of what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes when he's towards the end of his life and he's looking back on all that he has all the riches, wealth and wisdom he's got. And he says, all of it's vanity. And that little word vanity literally means puff of air. Trusting in earthly things, he says, is vain. And if we look at Jesus, for example, in Matthew chapter 7, where he asks, are you building your house on sand or on rock? And he's been saying to his disciples, are you listening to me? Are you following me? Or are you going your own way, building on sand? And if you are, he says, it's a similar concept. He says, a storm comes, puff of air, and it's all gone. The message is the same. Now it's good to acknowledge what we have and to enjoy it. But the key is that we give our thanks to God for blessing us. That these blessings come from God. They actually belong to him. And for God, what's important, I want to suggest, is that we learn to nurture and feed our spiritual lives, our eternal lives, the bit of us that lasts Remembering as Christians, as we heard a little bit in the gospel, the kingdom's already arrived. It arrived in the person of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. We've already been invited to join in a journey with Jesus, entering into his life here and now. Let's not wait for life after death. It can start right now, every moment of our lives. This is the message that Jesus gives us and this is part of what Paul calls the mystery of God. Life begins anew every moment here and now and it's this eternal life that's worth nurturing and giving our attention. Worldly things come and go, empires come and go, but God never abandons us. And I think in these days, we can particularly cling on to that when we look at the world around us. Therefore, in what and in whom do we place our confidence? The things that we can see and touch or the God who is forever, who is beyond time and space, within time and space and beyond it. That is the mystery of God. So no one is beyond God's love 
And we're called to ask ourselves the question, in what do we trust? In whom do we trust? And thirdly and finally, when he calls, it's worth listening. You never know what he may want to do with our help. And I'm going to give you a a real-life example. A friend of mine whose son years ago was on a YWAM camp, a Christian camp in Norfolk. And he and a group of his friends had decided that they were going to walk the, the lanes of Norfolk, taking nothing with them, no mobile phone, no money, no food, nothing. And they were going to talk about Jesus to everybody that they met. And in the, in the afternoon, the bunch of young growing lads, they're pretty hungry. Now they met a lady and they went to her and said, God seems to be telling us that you have something for us. And she presented each one of them with a sandwich. And she said to them, this morning, it made no sense to me, but I felt very strongly that God kept saying to me, you must make exactly this number of sandwiches, take them with you today. And when she asked, why, Lord? He said, it'll all become clear. So you never know how God may use you with the simplest of tasks, even making a sandwich. And for each of us here, you can probably already recall experiences that you've had in your life, perhaps where something very small, perhaps even seemed trivial. Maybe it was something that you felt called to do. Maybe you were the recipient of someone else's very simple action, something that you needed at the time. So when you hear God calling, Don't underestimate what he can do with whatever you have to offer. If you think of the the boy who had four small bread rolls and what Jesus was able to do with that. Or the widow who gave just a penny in the temple and yet Jesus told of her astounding generosity. He was moved. I think, thankfully, if the Lord will forgive me, most of us are not called to be a Jonah or even an apostle. We're not called to actions that have a visible, historical, world-changing impact. But perhaps like the lady who made sandwiches, sometimes it's the small and faithful things that we feel moved to do. And Jesus seems to find these the most moving things of all. So it may seem small to you, like making a sandwich. But God can use it for things that will last forever. So I hope that we can take away from the story of Jonah and 
from the calling of the apostles that harks back to what Tim spoke about last week. When Jesus knocks, do we listen? Will we answer? Because no one, absolutely no one, is beyond God's love, compassion and forgiveness. We are challenged to ask ourselves, so in whom will we place our confidence? The things we can see and touch, or the God who is beyond time and space, who is forever? And when he does call, it's worth listening, because you never know what he may want to do with your help. Amen.